Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have a returning guest, uh, Pam Popper. She's the president of what's called Wellness Forum Health. Um, I watch quite a few of her videos on YouTube. Uh, she has tremendous amounts of insights and information gathered about uh, you know, the COVID situation. So we talked once before, and I wanted to talk to her again because she's got lots of updates. And um, I find the information she shares uh, well-researched and uh, important to share with the world. So, Pam, thanks for coming again. Well, thanks for having me. We always have really good conversations, whether we're recording them or not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now we are. So, yeah, now we got to give the real juicy stuff. Um, in the uh, just, just to give context to the time of this interview, so uh, two interesting things I see is that, you know, in Pennsylvania, looks like a federal judge just ruled, I don't know how strong the ruling is, that uh, some of the lockdown provisions were unconstitutional, which may, uh, hopefully, maybe that'll start a bunch of other uh, suits to uh, change what's going on here, because some states are still locked down and uh, for no reason that I can see. Uh, the other really crazy thing, uh, which maybe not so crazy to some, is that um, you know a Chinese uh, scientist was on Fox News last night, and probably other news, hopefully, uh, saying that she has direct evidence that she's escaped from China, and uh, she says that the SARS-CoV-2 virus was, uh, you know, released from a lab in China and uh, may have been uh, engineered. So I wanted to ask you, um, since you always have eyes on this situation, uh, a little bit of background on how you first became aware of the, you know, the COVID mess and uh, you know some recent updates. So if you wouldn't yeah. mind. No, I'm happy to do that. And um, let's, uh, I, I just want to say something about the Pennsylvania thing first. I'm, I'm delighted to see that. And I hope it spurs more people on. Um, he's already said he's going to appeal. Of course he is. Nobody wants to give up their power. Um, but the, the an interesting thing is going on in Pennsylvania, according to what some of my Pennsylvania friends are telling me, which is that um, when the governor decided to appeal, members of his own party started saying, you know, wait a minute, my, my constituents have just had all they can take. And so, um, and this is happening also in Connecticut where the governors in those two states are starting to find that people who would normally support them are not supporting them and now starting to turn the other direction. And it goes to something I've said for years and years. I've, I've fought with some very interesting and much more powerful than me uh, forces. And that's a different discussion for a different day. But one of the things I've always been able to count on in the past is that sooner or later, these people get full enough of themselves that they overplay their hand and then they become vulnerable. And that's exactly what they're doing here. They just, they've all gone nuts. They're just off the deep end. And when you are in that state of being off the deep end, you lose sight of what your 
limitations are. So if I, 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 this is kind of a funny thing to say, but if I wanted to keep the people of Pennsylvania under control or the people of Connecticut under control, I can think of ways to do it significantly more effectively than these people who seem to be making stupider and stupider decisions by the week. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing, yeah. by the way, because the more people who come around to seeing this for what it is, the easier it's going to be to take care of it. And, I, and I'll tell you something else, an observation I made um, a few weeks ago is that when this all started, I think we were dealing with um, uh, maybe three kinds of people, all right? One was the group that got very frightened very fast and were convinced that something terrible was happening. And a lot of people are still in that group. And I, I know it frustrates yep, everybody. Then you've got the people like you and I who almost immediately knew something was wrong. And then this group in the middle who we didn't hear much from. And these were people who were saying, oh my gosh, my kids are home and we don't have enough computers and I never have done a Zoom meeting before. I don't know how I'm going to do my job from here. And these were people who were just, they, they weren't worried about any of the stuff we're talking about. They were just trying to survive, you know, and figure out what's going on. And now they've gotten past all that. They're looking around and they're going, what the heck is going on? And they're coming our direction. In other words, the, the people, the scared people are not picking up members of their group. Um, we are. And so that does not bode well for these um, uh, for these people and what they're doing. So I wanted to give you one insight that I had. A, a friend of mine loves to study military history. Mm -hmm. And he said that, um, you know, when people would fight, the smart uh, generals would know if they were winning, they would leave an escape route for the people they were battling so the people could escape. He said if they would, if they blocked them in and they gave people no way out, then they would fight to the death. And then they were a much harder opponent. And I think this is, you know, going back uh, a minute to what you said about you could think of ways to, to keep people under control for longer. Um, I think that's an analogous statement is that, uh, you know, if you give people no way out, then they're going to fight to the death. And, you know, sadly, if you really want to control them, you kind of give them a little bit of freedoms and then they maybe quiet down. And you keep stringing them along. Yeah. Yeah. And they haven't done that. They're getting, and I think the other thing too, is the disconnect. They're not, they're so far into it now. They're not recognizing that the disconnect between the actions they're taking and the readily available data, you know, are, are just ridiculous. I mean, people are actually picking up the phone and calling the local hospital and finding somebody who will tell them there's, there are two people in the hospital who are actual COVID patients. We're mostly empty here. And then they find out, oh, my county is labeled red. And if we have one more case, they're going to lock everything down again. And they're going, what the heck is this? You know, this is just is making sense. So anyhow, we'll, I, I hope that they continue to get crazier. What happened in Connecticut, I'll mention to you, is that uh, a friend of mine told me about it yesterday. Um, the governor there likes to make himself out to be like the man of the people, but he actually comes from a pretty wealthy background. He's a rich guy. He's got a lot of businesses and there's nothing inherently the matter with that, except when you're disingenuous about it, you know? And um, so this vaccine, uh, you know, that's one of the states where they say they're going to be aggressive about the vaccine. So he called some black church leaders and said, you know, we really need to get all the black people in uh, Connecticut on board with this vaccine and agree to be the first to be vaccinated and set the example. And it was such a condescending, I mean, I don't know what the guy had in mind, but it didn't go over the way I think he wanted it to. And now, and I don't blame them. I mean, if they were lining up Jewish people to get, you know, let's, let's get all the Jewish people in Franklin yeah. County. I mean, what, what are you talking about, right? Um, so it's about the most divisive thing that he could have done in an entire 
Um, I mean, the churches are already not very happy with him and all these black pastors are just like up in arms and um, it, it totally backfired, you know, so it's, it was a very stupid thing to do and it did nothing but make everything worse. So I think the good news, I think this is actually good news. People are like, oh my gosh, did you hear what happened in Connecticut? Or did you hear what happened in this state or that state? I'm going, this is good. These are people acting crazy. People acting crazy are easy to, do. you know, it's easy to see, easier to see than if they were making somewhat sane decisions so anyhow have you do you what's your thoughts you know we'll, we'll go backwards in time shortly but what's your thoughts about the next uh, six months are we still i mean there's no guarantee at all that there'll be any headway in this or do you think the craziness will continue well, I think, there are a lot of ways it, I think there are a lot of ways it could, it could sort itself out. I think the first thing is that um, it, our president, whatever you think of him, is doing something that I said should have been done a long time ago, which is that, A, he's gotten Fauci out of the picture. I mean, he's still talking. He's going to be a talking head for a while because he's the darling of the media, like a lot of criminals are. Um, but um, he's not the spokesperson anymore, and somebody who actually makes sense is in the White House, Dr. Atlas now. And so the messages that are coming from the White House to people like me who listen um, are, are much more coherent. Um, he's out and doing the rallies. And what he's basically saying is it's okay to be around people. And that, that may seem like a little thing, but it's a big thing. And people, thousands of people are going to these rallies. And if you've noticed, there haven't been any outbreaks associated with them. And gosh, I know the other side would sure like to find some, uh, but... Um, so it doesn't appear to be dangerous to be unmasked and in a big group of people. Uh, so I think that that's a good sign. Um, I think there's there's a the lawsuits are accelerating, and we just filed one that I think is going to make a huge difference because it's a different kind of lawsuit. And other people want to file the same thing. We can talk about that if you want to. But but the lawsuits are accelerating, and so is the civil disobedience. I mean, if you drive 20 miles outside of the county I live in, in any direction. People aren't wearing a mask. They're not social distancing. Um, there are lots of places. I'm not going to name places in a public venue, but there's there are lots of places for me to go do things in Columbus that are quote unquote illegal, and um, people are doing them every day. You know, so there's just a, a growing exhaustion with it. Um, we got an interesting um, communication. We own a food manufacturing company, and we got something from the state yesterday that said all employees must wear their mask. It's recommended that customers do recommended. Now it used to be mandated. It's the law. Well, it was never the law, but it's, it's like recommended. And um, the, the, the mask Nazis aren't at the door of many stores now. So there's just an exhaustion setting in about it. So I, I don't see this going on for a lot longer. And if it, if it were to get worse for any reason, because we had word that this governor here was going to lock everything down again on the 29th of September, I think we'd have the militia get involved. I really do. I think somebody would just start a civil war and then it would get solved that way. And I know that sounds like you know, being a drama queen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I know militias that have organized to do that, if, if need be. Well, I wonder about that. Like, I, you know, I'm looking also to, you know, you know what I realized? If I want to find out what's going on, I don't know, in Italy, I don't know of a forum, I mean, maybe I haven't thought about it enough, where I can go and like talk to people that live in various parts of Italy and say, hey, what's it like there? You know, or Sweden or whatever country. First of all, do you know of a forum like that so people can get real news? that have filtered and then uh, second of all what's your observation about what's going on in the world at large in the world at large one of the things that has screwed everything up for the despots is that everybody was supposed to go along with this and they didn't 
Um, you have the, and the same thing in the United States, the country was supposed to get locked down nationally as part of this whole deal and it didn't happen. So you've got these states in the United States where you have pretty good data, much better per capita data than you do in states that lock down. And then you've got states like, or countries like Sweden and Japan, much better data, no lockdown. I talked to somebody in the Netherlands yesterday who said they just told everybody to exercise common sense. And the person told me, well, we do that every year during flu season, but nothing changed. None of the gyms closed. I mean, you know, nobody stopped going to restaurants. Schools didn't close. It's pretty normal life over there. Um, now in the UK, it's insane. And, um, and what looks actually like a Monty Python skit, Boris Johnson got up and gave a talk about the rule of six. You can only be with six people at a time, unless of course your family is more than six because we can't take people away from your family. And then if you're in a bubble with another family, it's only supposed to be 12, except if you have more than six and then it might be 14. And he's going through the whole thing and it honestly looked like a skit from Monty Python. And, um, and so it's just ludicrous over there, crazier than it is in some places here. Uh, so it, it's pretty different in different places. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a forum. And one of the reasons I say that is that um, I'm not here in the United States, you know where to find people who think independently. And a lot of people here have figured out years ago that the mainstream media was the fake news. We're not even turning the TV on or reading the you know, New York Times, but, and we know where we can read this kind of stuff and find out about it. But I don't have those kinds of connections in other countries and frankly, haven't had the time to cultivate them because I've been so busy working on what's going on here. Yeah, I just wondered if I want to speak to someone in Estonia, how do I do it? You know, or it, it, I just wondered if you knew, that's all. Yeah, go through, you can come and go through my email. There's probably several people writing from Estonia. I get like 3,000 emails a day, so they're coming from everywhere. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what's, um, what do you see as the end game, whether it's going to happen or not, but what do you see as the end game of the people in power with uh, well, you know, the COVID stuff? I think that this all started. Let's let's talk a little bit about the the uh, the woman who was on uh, Fox News last night because that's a good place to okay. start. Um, yeah. So so and I'm kind of proud of myself on this one because um, in uh, in March um, I said that I thought that the Chinese had a significant incentive to do something deliberately, and uh, and I had a couple of people that that said you know you better be careful. Uh, not in a threatening way, but you know, people are gonna think you're nuts. And I said, well, I don't think I'm nuts. And I don't usually make statements that are irresponsible. I think that it's possible that the Chinese orchestrated this because they are in a lot of trouble with the Hong Kong situation, uh, the incarceration of Uyghurs in uh, concentration camps and using them for body parts. Um, there are a lot of, and, and, and uh, the United States has changed its stance on a lot of things regarding China, so it would not be out of the realm of possibility for the Chinese to do this deliberately. Um, and uh, so the woman who was on um, uh, Fox News last night made a claim that uh, she's in Hong Kong and she's uh, analyzed the virus and it, did, it's, it is not um, mutated from bats. And I said that early on also, that this did not come from the wet market. And I cautioned people who were using this episode to, as, a, as a way of educating people about closing wet markets. I mean, I'd like to close wet markets for a lot of reasons too, but we don't really want to lie about the reason, right? So um, I cautioned some people to stop using that as a talking point. So she says that it was engineered in the lab and it was deliberately released from Wuhan, and I'm anxious to know more. So there's a chapter in my book, uh, in our book, I wrote a book with Shane Pryor, 
about this. And um, we did some research. He, Shane is a, was a biologist originally, actually worked in a virology lab using PCR technology, perfect co-author, right? If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. And he also then got into the finance business and was managing, you know, seven, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for people. So he's pretty good at looking at world events. And um, so we have a section in the book on this whole Chinese connection, why they would have done it. And also um, looked into this Wuhan lab uh, from two different directions. One is that I had written an article about the fact that the United States had invested through Fauci's agency in gain of function function research at uh, the University of North Carolina, uh, Chapel Hill, and the Wuhan uh, Virology Lab, uh, Institute of Virology. The United States put money in both of those places and until April 28th was still sending money to that virology lab in um, oh, well, uh, ma'am, after, ma'am, after it started. Tell, tell people what a gain-of-function research is because when I learned yeah. about it, I was like, what? Yeah, so gain-of-function research is where you take a virus that might over time mutate from animals to humans and you you um, genetically engineer it so it mutates to be transmissible from humans to humans without that intermediate step. And the, uh, the purported purpose of it is that um, you wanna do experiments to say, okay, here we have this virus, we just genetically engineered it so it can be immediately transmissible from humans to humans. How fast could we develop a vaccine? How fast could we develop treatment? Well, um, it was like 2013, something like that. The United States government put a moratorium on it. They said, it's just too dangerous. What if you create something that's really horrible and it gets out? Well, it didn't stop Mr. Fauci's organization from um, from funding this research. And this isn't a conspiracy theory because they published an article jointly in a journal called Nature. It's a well-respected European journal. They reported their work. I always love when people call me a conspiracy I, I read, theorist. I, I read that just, paper. Yeah. yeah, yeah I read yeah, that so, paper. They took like a, a SARS backbone of a virus and added some stuff to it. And I was like, I, you know, when I when I read that paper, I think it's the one you're talking about. It's like from 2015. Yeah. I, if, yeah. I thought if I was the U.S. government, I would subpoena every person involved with the paper immediately and say, what did you do? What did you learn? And all that. Like, And the fact yeah. that, I don't know, not a word yeah. was said about it, like, astounds me. Yeah. Well, you know, look at who was in charge of it, right? So so anyway, um, so they published this paper and, uh, and, and even Newsweek, one mainstream media source said, this is not good, and could this be where it came from, right? So um, so I, I wrote about that. My business partner, Peter Bregan, wrote an article about it also. And we think Peter Bregan's stuff is, he's much more famous than I am. And we think that the president saw his article and that's April 28th is when the United States ended this project, uh, formally ended this project. And you know, Fauci may claim that he didn't know what was going on, but he's the head of the agency. And I, I gotta tell you something, in my company, which isn't as big as NIAD, I'm kind of responsible for what goes on there. You know, It's my job to know what's going on. I employ and am responsible for a lot of people and a lot of clients and that sort of thing. So I don't think he gets a free ride on that. Well, anyway, um, so that's what was going on. And then when we started writing this book, one of the things we looked into is this virology lab. And there's a real interesting uh, background to it. Um, it's been there for a long time. And it was originally started uh, as a project between the French government and the Chinese government. 
and has been the subject of controversy almost from the beginning where the French were accusing the Chinese of doing things in that lab that they didn't agree with. And once, we're not, that wasn't part of the plan when we decided we were gonna do this and all this sort of thing. So um, the problems for decades. And then this very interesting woman shows up uh, on the scene and I think her name is Ji Shi, um, I, I believe it is, or Jing Shi or something like that. I think it's Jing, and, Jing Ling Li or something like that. Yeah, they call her the Bat Lady, all right? Um, and the Bat Lady is doing research on bat viruses and going to caves in southeastern China and finding bats and bringing them back to the lab and, um, and genetically modifying bat coronaviruses. And... Um, and so it, and some of what we wrote was really technical and I won't even try to convey it like through talking, but, but here's the bottom line. This is the thing I think is really significant is that um, we have a lot of timelines in our book. Uh, we have a couple, three chapters where we just say this happened and then this happened because if you look at the sequence of, of things, it starts to really tell you what's going on. And so at a certain point in time, um, it becomes very clear that the World Health Organization is essentially taking its direction from, uh, from the Chinese government, from the CCP. And um, uh, because they're, they're not showing any curiosity about this whatsoever. And they don't even do anything when the Chinese government actually instructs labs to destroy um, material, uh, virus material, and moves everything from the Wuhan Virology Lab to Shanghai. Well, you'd think that you'd want to, you know, be doing, looking into this where all the resources would be. And the bat lady disappears. She just disappears. She hasn't been seen or heard from since. Now, you would think that the country's best expert on bat coronaviruses would be the person you'd want to be talking to, and she is nowhere to be found. And we found that very curious, as well as, you know, if you look at the whole timeline, and again, some of it's real technical and comparing DNA from this virus and all that kind of thing, but if you read through this chapter, you just say, how many things in this timeline can you look at as a coincidence? I mean, really, you know, maybe one of them, but there's just no way that all of this could have been some random sequence of events. Yeah, I, uh, I don't remember who it was, but I did speak to two scientists that said the bat lady was communicating only through email, and they could tell the answers were like heavily, heavily scripted. Mm -hmm. But that's the, the closest I've heard anyone has got to, uh, you know, to speaking to her, even if she's still around, you know, who knows, she may be not alive. Dead. I, mean, I don't know. You know she well, may be the, dead, yeah. There have been many people who've disappeared. Uh, there were, the, of all the people who've spoken out, there were six or seven. We also have this in the book, too. Um, there are, and I can't remember if it was six or seven, but, but anyway, there are there, there some scientists in China um, who've spoken out. One of them who is still accounted for recanted everything and said, I, I was really mistaken about all this stuff. And the other ones just disappeared from the planet. So we can assume that they're either in some kind of camp with the Uyghurs or they've already been used for body parts or something like that. Yeah, horrible. Wait, yeah. what's... Um, but I want to go to well, something else. You asked what the end game was. And I wanted to cover yes, this first because... I'm afraid because, to ask that question, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I want to tell you what I think the end game is. So um, this, we have lots of timelines for this kind of stuff in the book too. But um, I think what happened is that for a long time, um, public health has historically been used as a means of controlling people. It's a well-known means of controlling people from a different, lot of different perspectives. Gosh, we could do five-hour show on that. But um, uh, you know, there have there have been meetings and scenario plannings and all kinds of things where 
this idea has been kicked around that um, you know a virus that's terribly contagious and can kill tens of millions of people, and then you know everybody gets into action and the world is controlled by some people as a result of it. And um, and you know a lot of people have seen these kinds of documents. So for a while, I think some people who kind of looked into this thought that that's what happened, that, that, um, uh, that this was a, a group of global people, let's just call them that for sake of argument, got together and did this. I think what happened is that they were planning all along that at some point in time, the use of public health and a virus might be a convenient method to gain control of the population of the planet would be good. Um, you have people like Gates who've made their intentions clear. They want to do population control and mass and 100% vaccination, vaccination as a condition of permission to live on the planet and have any privileges whatsoever. Um, do, do I think that they started this? No. I think what happened is you've heard this, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? So I think that the, the virus walked out of the Wuhan lab, however it walked out, and um, it was exaggerated from the get-go by plan. Um, this was China's plan. Um, they, there's, there's another whole piece of this where they did a lot of big show to make it look like it came from the wet market. There were no bats in the wet market, but they closed it down and they hosed it down. They had these big pictures of people in hazmat suits going in and, and then um, you know, it's closed for a while and then they reopen it and all this kind of stuff. And that was just all a big distraction. But while that was going on, some of the people that had been thinking about this and planning it and all that sort of thing said, you know what, this is our chance. I mean, this is our chance, right? And so, the, and the World Health Organization, the guy who's head of it is Tedros. Um, he has a very colorful past. Um, there are people, while he was uh, in a very high government position uh, in Ethiopia, 2 million people disappeared from the census. A lot of very, it's another one of these, how many coincidences can you have if you look at his whole history? So he ends up at the World Health Organization. Nobody wanted him there. Nobody wanted him there, right? Uh, Gates is the one who is the biggest contributor to the WHO after USA pulled out and orchestrated his being in that position. To tell you what he's about, you know who his first appointee to the Goodwill Ambassador was gonna be was Robert Mugabe, the guy who murdered <laughs> I'm serious. And, and, I see, and he was serious about it. He actually proposed it. And he got to, I mean, apparently he really didn't understand you've got this position now. So you're not in Ethiopia, just like doing That's genocide. Hilarious. So, so that doesn't go over well, but he very quickly renewed the um, president Xi of China. His wife is on that goodwill ambassador um, yeah. board and they list her as an opera singer, but she's actually a gener general in the people's army. And there are pictures of her online singing at um, Tiananmen Square while they're slaughtering people. Um, so, so this guy, you know, he's very tight with the Chinese. And, um, and so you see this lockstep thing with, with um, you know, WHO and, and Chinese government kind of working together. And then WHO and Gates and then this whole Fauci gets involved and all of a sudden you have a worldwide pandemic that isn't really a pandemic. But um, an interesting background piece is that in 2005, the World Health Organization asked all the countries to sign an agreement that if there was a pandemic, they would all work together and, and, and take direction. And, and I have to say, I'm, I'm not going to put nefarious intentions behind that, because if there was something like the ebonic plague that could kill me on my sidewalk and the government working with other governments and the WHO could actually do something about it, 
I, I think I'd want them to, you know? So I'm, I'm gonna say that was an honest thing, but they use that to basically say, everybody starts doing this. So the two, the two things that went wrong right away is all the countries that agreed to it didn't do it. And then in the United States, the president was supposed to lock everybody down, but Trump's not a nationalist and he didn't do it. And so from the get-go, the plan started to have problems. Now they've caused a lot of problems for us, but um, I think it's important to let people know that I don't think that they're all uncorking champagne and toasting themselves right now. This isn't going as well for them as they thought it was going to. Do you think in the U.S. there's an actual difference between, you know, let's say the governor of California and New York and the governor of I don't know, like Texas or South Dakota, like, you know, they're doing different things, but is that show, you think that's for real? Like what, what's the dynamic amongst the governors you think for the mayor? Well, I'll make some comments that, um, I, here, here's what happened, uh, as unpopular as what I'm gonna say is, I think, in the blue states is where you saw the craziest, most aggressive and still most aggressive lockdowns. I mean, Gavin Newsom suggested that you can open a bowling alley if you do it outside. Okay, that's yeah, I mean, no, ridiculous. Yeah. Right, ridiculous. I, I saw, I, I heard of a church in Nevada. I saw a news article where they weren't allowed to hold services, but they got slot machines in the church and they made it a casino. And yeah, that was a joke. Preachers, oh, that okay, was a okay. joke. Yeah, <laughs> that was a joke. And some, and some, some of the things have them, but there is a, a church in Los Angeles that's been having services with six thousand people every Sunday in defiance. And um, he's just said, I'm going to do it and whatever happens, happens. So you've got the blue governors, blue state governors, they're, they're, they went off the deep end early. And then you had states like Ohio, where I thought that things were overreached, but it wasn't crazy. And then um, either, um, it, I mean, you can hypothesize about what happened, but, but either six governors had a psychotic break on the same weekend or something is driving Texas, Ohio, Indiana, these governors that actually seem to have some sense of responsibility and reasonableness just, reasonableness just all went nuts at the same time. And there are a lot of theories about why that is. And one of them is that they might be compromised and that can mean a lot of different things. And I don't wanna make accusations that I can't back up, but I'll just say it's curious. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would I think that all the governors would, I don't know, would have like a, a you know, a weekly call or, I mean, who knows? I don't, I'm not no. at that level, so I don't know. But. No, they're, they're, they're kind of all doing their own thing. And, and, um, uh, and, and this is another thing too. I think that, again, you never let a good crisis go to waste. So very quickly, the folks who don't want Trump to win start figuring out, gosh, if we can keep everybody terrified to congregate or go outside, Trump can't do rallies, then everybody will have to vote by mail. And so, um, and, and he's a pretty smart guy. So have you noticed um, he started saying, yeah, I think we should do vote by mail. And if you're a Republican, vote by mail and then go to the polls and see if you can vote again. And you will we'll test the theory. Well, then everybody starts saying, no, no, we can't vote by mail. So, so he's um, he keeps screwing things up for the people who want to do things a certain way. But um, but anyway, then you know again capitalizing on the situation, this becomes a way that um, that it seems like we could skew the election, and that's turning on them because this presupposes that blue states will stay blue. But that is based on the fact that the approval rating of the powers that be remain high and, um, and that you don't mobilize. See what's typically happened in some of these blue states is that um, Republicans kind of have a doesn't matter attitude because you can't ever turn the state red again. Well, they're coming out of, they're coming out of the woodwork. And um, I hear from people every day, I'm sure you've heard about the red pill, right? 
Um, never voted Republican in my entire life, but I don't see any way out of this mess other than that. And so again, they've they've overplayed their hands. They've completely, they, they're not, nobody's scared anymore except for the original sheep and they're not growing in number. Um, the group that's growing in number are the people who are infuriated and, you know, just, just, just angry like you can't believe. And, and the other thing that they didn't really think through is that back when everybody was getting big unemployment checks and the whole nine yards, a lot of people, um, if, that's where they lost some sheep, by the way, because when if you're getting paid more to stay home, then mask wearing and cowering in the basement sounds like a great idea. But when the money's cut off and you don't have any money anymore, this doesn't seem like such a good idea anymore. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, so they're, they're losing their, their support. And I don't know that the election is gonna get turned in their favor either. What do you think is gonna be the breaking point where things really turn and this, you know, unravels and hopefully things get better? Or do you think it's just a slow accumulation of whatever's going on right now and, and all of a sudden the media may actually start reporting reality? Yeah. No, they, they may have to report some things at some point in time, but I think what will happen is I think our lawsuit's going to make a difference and the others that we're going to help people file are going to make a difference. I think the biggest problem that we're going to have is that when the, right now, Everybody is busy surviving. Uh, some of us who've been blessed with more business are you know, scrambling around to deal with the more business. A great problem to have in this particular situation. Um, the, you know, so, so everybody's busy um, protesting and, and try, filing lawsuits and all this kind of stuff and trying to save the country. Well, what's gonna happen, this is my prediction, is at some point in time, um, we're going to get to the place where we're more free than we were before. And then the re-education process starts. We don't need to take everybody's temperature at Walmart. And it's okay to go to a movie and sit by side by side. We don't have to have a reservation and all this. And that's going to take some time to do. And then we're going to have to look at the devastation. This is going to be like cleaning up after World War II. And I'm not kidding. Okay. Um, we have... In, in, in Ohio, I look around here and somebody's going out of business permanently every day. And um, it is highly likely that better than half of the restaurants currently barely hanging on, they're gonna just go out of business, right? So, um, and then we've got the education problem. Uh, the people who had the resources and we helped, we've helped, oh my gosh, thousands of people uh, get their kids out of um, uh, schools and homeschool, but, but in these economically disadvantaged places, that's not happening. And so bottom line, um, you know, I, what I think we're gonna have to do is, is a couple of things, and I'm working on this already. Um, I wanna put together a, a group of retired teachers. Teachers retire early, which is good, generally speaking. And I want to, and I've already started talking to church uh, pastors and churches, where we basically go into an area of Columbus where these kids, this schooling at home thing is just nonsense. And they lost, a, they, they, these kids are illiterate now. I'm not kidding. We have grade school kids who they don't even know how to read anymore. And we basically say, look, because these parents want to do better for their kids. I, I don't, uh, some people don't care, but a lot of people do. And so we're going to take your kids and we're going to go over here to the church that's a mile away. And we're going to get your kids academically prepared for life. All right, you're never going, your kids aren't ever going back into that god awful place that used to be called school. It was, wasn't that good before this. And now your kids have completely been left behind. And we're going to teach. Yeah, now these it's kids. like a, a kid concentration camp, how it yeah. looks. 
Yeah, well, and, and they're not learning anything. So, so we're going we're gonna to take a responsibility for that. That's what I see our, na our national initiative being once we get out from underneath this. And then the other thing is I want to put together teams of business people who are experienced like you and I, who can start rescuing the businesses that are rescuable. And um, you know, some of us have kept some people in business. I joke around all the time. I own a food manufacturing company. I have eaten more takeout food to try to keep restaurants that I care about open in the last six months than I've had in the last 27 years. I'm not kidding. Okay. I mean, I just, I can eat all the food I want. That's the kind of food I want right where I am. So what am I doing? Spending $200 a week on takeout. It's my contribution to try to keep places open. Right. So I can do more of that. I could do more of that kind of thing. And I know other people who can too. And I've, I've spoken with some of my friends who've benefited from this financially. And we've just all made a commitment. We're going we're gonna to spend, I would be willing to spend, I mean, a lot of money at, rest, at, at uh, restaurants, at flower shops. I mean, I'll send, if we can rescue a flower shop, uh, a florist, it, I'll send flowers to everybody in Franklin County I know if I, if I can contribute that way, right? I, I don't need to send flowers right now, but that's beside the point. We got to get people in business. And so th those are the two things, just two things, but, but it is going to be like cleaning up society, um, re-educating people. Um, about, you know, getting kids to the place where they're not afraid. We, we have a whole generation of kids who think that people are dangerous, the environment is dangerous, and something can come out of the sky and kill you and your family. If we don't yeah, understand yeah. that, these kids are going to be psychologically damaged for life. Well, a friend of mine has a son in school in New York, and he said that um, at the prospect of going back to school, his son is getting sick and throwing up and just incredibly nervous. And he spoke to like the school nurse and the school nurse says they're getting dozens of issues every day from the kids being so anxious about going to school and they can't sleep and they can't function. So it's, it's ruined kids that should not be afraid and made them afraid. Right. Exactly. It's, it's insane. And we have to, so we have a lot of work to do. I, I you know, I, I had a different plan for the, for my life. Um, and, and I, I'm not going to not do the other things I had planned, but but um, I think that probably I'm 63 years old and I'm planning to live to be 100. So I've got a good amount of time here. Um, I'm going to spend the last, I think the last part of my life is going to be dedicated to overcoming this and then fixing this, not single handedly. I don't want to imply that at all, but contributing to it. I think that's how I'm going to spend the end of my days. Well, it's a noble cause. So that's, that's really cool. You know? You, yeah. you look pretty good for 63. So. Thank you. Well, I have a lot More of power to you. This is where, pay, where taking care of myself is paid off because this has been like an Olympic event. I, I mean, I don't think I've slept a whole night since March and when this started. Hey. And, and so to be in good shape enough that I can focus and have the energy to do it is, is, uh, is wonderful. Well, Pam, thanks for coming. Um, how can people find you? I know that you do videos on YouTube uh, yeah. three, yeah, so three to five days a week. Yeah, I do, well, I do a newsletter on Monday and I do videos four days a week. And if you want to, um, uh, if you want to subscribe to my videos and newsletter, just email me at pampopper at msn.com. Um, MakeAmericansFreeAgain.com is the website for our organization. We're working for you. Um, and uh, you can get, we're going to create a special section for the Ohio lawsuits. You can get updates on that because everybody's pretty excited about it. And then my company's website is wellnessforumhealth.com. Great. Pam, thanks so much for coming back. I appreciate it. Thank you. Great to spend time with you. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.
You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.